the Evolved Succeed podcast where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Alex Scan, Managing Director and Co-Founder of Void Acoustics, a South Coast-based company that designs, manufactures and distributes high-end professional audio and speaker systems across the world. Alex's intrigue for sound systems started in childhood, heavily influenced by his father's interest in hi-fi and further compounded by the West London music scene in the late 1980s. He began his career in electronics and was employed for many years by Thorn EMI. He has a great entrepreneurial story that's about passion, principle, constant improvement and some good humour too. In today's podcast, Alex considers the most important quality a successful business can have. You have to develop a, a, a real high level of understanding with people and that's the make or break for a business I would say says it's those first topsy-turvy days of starting a business that build core resilience for the future. When you're starting a business very early on, it's, it's full of extremes of highs and lows. And you go through that process of those highs and lows, and that really sets you up for the resilience of the future. And comments on people's differing perceptions of success. People often are two things. They were drawn to success, or they tried to take it down. If you want to know more about Evolve, then please go to evolvemembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Alex. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hello, Warren. It's great to have you as a guest. I'm really intrigued about your history pre-Void, actually, in the music industry. And I assume, you know, obviously, Void Acoustics being the company is that you must have always had a passion for music and therefore what was your career in the music industry before starting Void Alex? So probably more of a watcher than a, than a participant I would say. My interest in audio and music started from a very early age and as I think back now a very early age and more to do with technology as well. Okay. So um my father worked for a company called Honeywell, who, which was, uh, this will be in the early 70s. So that was the early days of mainframe computers. And he was a bit of an electronics hobbyist, and he ended up making his own speakers. Uh, he wired our house for a speaker system throughout the house, and we'd plug in speakers, and wow. he had little projects on the go, switching units or... He'll be fixing the TV for hours and hours. And I was absolutely fascinated by this. And as time went on, we got the reel-to-reels out and we stopped recording things. And my dad had built up a library of, of records and I used to record that. And that I got the bug really early on and I just loved it <laughs> a bit. So, so that is a nurture thing, isn't it? Because obviously you went on to now run a business that produces and makes amazing speakers, but it started at an early age watching your father. It wasn't until recently I thought back about this and goes, oh my God, you know, <laughs> this is fundamental. You know, Maxbox uh, 
dinky toys and speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, years later, I remember getting running a car company or a or a um, audio company. Brilliant. And then did you, so you sort of went, you know, when you left school, I don't know if you went to university, but left school, went to college or whatever. It was then a career in the electronics industry for you, was it? Yeah, so I moved into electronics and just through accident, really, more than anything else, um, I dropped out of doing my A-levels because I wanted to earn an income. So at the age of 16, I managed to get uh, onto an apprenticeship scheme as an electronics technician. So it carried on that passion. So starting to learn about how to put PCBs together, understanding how electronics worked. And that became, I did a 10, 10 years working at Thorny MI okay. and really developing my knowledge in electronics and started to more in, get into more into software. So it got to a point where uh, after 10 years, I started to get involved in the social scene in Bournemouth and at the time, I was fixing lots of audio amplification and trickery. And that's really how I got, then got involved into the PA business um, by that route. So it was kind of a casual involvement, getting involved in the kind of nightclubs and pubs and bars and in and around Bournemouth. Yeah, so it was an amalgamation of these two, of, of music and electronics, which were both were a passion of mine. And... Then I then started getting involved with actually you can be involved in part of the performance. So then I I got involved in doing nights and parties and DJing and it just carried on. So so now I've got this social aspect added to these two interests. Brilliant. So it, it's been a natural progression. And I went off and did various other things in my career. And I think I got to a crossroads in my early 30s. And a bit disillusioned, went, what's my career path? Where am I going? I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing. And I met up with a good, good friend of mine, Rog, and he had just designed a system for a local club. And I said, this is really interesting. You've got the formations of a business here. Let's do it together. And that's really how, how it all started. Wow, fantastic. And... Do you think you're always therefore destined to run your own business or do you think that it was it was just something that did transpire? Yeah, I, I, I believe that um, I had an appetite for it. I definitely like being in control of your own destiny. That's what a lot of entrepreneurial people enjoy is being in control of their own destiny. Up until that point, the times I did work for somebody else Ultimately, I've found it dissatisfying for different reasons. So if you're in control of your own business, you can really decide what you want to do and yeah. what you don't want to do. So that, that's the mass appeal. The actual business side of it then becomes a requirement, yeah. <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> um, it's, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? How we, a lot of people do get, into business either through a vocation or through a passion and when they get into it through a passion they you know they're doing what they love but actually the sudden realization is ah right i am actually running a business now and there is so much more that gets involved and i assume that's been part of your learning curve alex over the last 18 years yes more of a bumpy line the, <laughs> the curve <laughs> um, and 
yeah, a lot of a lot of this is about going on, on a journey of discovery and understanding and development. That's really what that process is about, and that's what I enjoy: is the learning and the, the new things and the discovery and the exploration. And there's a lot of problem solving, a lot of challenges along the way. That's the more harder stuff. But when you overcome those challenges, you come out the other side. And you look back and you go, wow, I have actually achieved quite a lot. And it's that sense of achievement and self-satisfaction which drives you forward. And if you'd compare the Alex of now to the Alex of 18 years ago when you first co-founded Void, you know, what, what's the most significant difference? Knowledge, really. Understanding. Compassion. You have to be almost an expert on people. Well, you do, do have to be an expert in people mm. to run a successful business. And through the last, I think it's 18 years now, yeah, it, eight, uh, 19 years this year, that's what a lot of that journey is about, is understanding people, whether it be employees or suppliers or customers or anybody, anyone else within, that's associated with a business, understanding what their motivators are to get fundamentally get the most out of them so you can get the best out, turn that into fundamentally success within a business. So you have to develop a, a, a real high level of understanding with people. And that's the, really the make or break for a business, I would say. It's certainly in this day and age. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're running a cotton mill in the last yeah. 200 years ago, it will be whoever cracks the whip hardest gets, gets the most output. But obviously, that those days of autocratic yeah. management have long passed. So really, the the skill is understanding people, and understanding what's required to make sure those people have everything they need. So one of my weaknesses is process and process management. Being a more of a well, what's new? Let's fix it. Let's go on to the next mm. thing type of person. I'm not going to be really engrossed in doing the, the more process-driven part of the business so that's a realization like what am i good at what i'm not good at and get somebody else to do the things you're not very good at yeah. good at doing and get them to do them really well yeah so you can focus on your strengths and i think that's that's a trait that most business owners have isn't it entrepreneurial characters have is it's where's the next new shiny thing but that's okay if you've got a team and people around you that are picking up on your weaknesses and can fill in with the detail and the systems and the processes. As you say, you used the word there that was really interesting and I don't think there's enough of it in business and I'd like to know your thoughts. You used the word called compassion and you said you've got to have compassion in business and I think that's a great thing to hear from a business owner. Do you think there's enough compassion in business full stop? Ignore (laughs) your business. Well, when you're dealing with people, they're, they're obviously their point of view and your point of view. And somewhere in the middle is the truth. Hmm. It's up to the, you have, you are really, the onus is on you to understand the middle, middle truth. Yeah. And see the other person's perspective clearly and be fair. Yeah. And, and how far do you want to go? You think of instances, I think of instances in the business when you see behavior and you're shocked and horrified. And by that behavior and your instant reaction is emotional reaction. But you sit down and break it down and you go, well, all things considered, I can see why, why that person's done that. 
or I can see his point of view. He's gone too far. But as a, as a point of, of a point of say discussion, you want to unravel all that. Yeah. Um, you've really got to see their point of view and be fair and impartial about things. So impartiality is, is, is key as well. So, I mean, there are, there are times when you want to have an emotional response, but there are times when you need to be impartial and try and take your emotion out of that discussion, whether it be uh, good or bad. So you've still got, and I know you have, a real passion for Void and, and what you do and how you go about doing it. How have you maintained that passion over nearly 19 years now? Because <laughs> <laughs> it ebbs and it flows, doesn't it, if we're honest? It, it's because it's a constant development. So you're constantly developing, refining and, and streamlining and improving. It's a constant process and that's what I enjoy. Okay. It's that refinement of, if I think back a few years ago, like there's a hundred million things I wanted to do. Now I'm in a position, I'm, I'm now doing those things I wanted to do 10 years ago. Like, oh, great. I always wanted to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and and, I'm, and I'm, an, I'm the ideas guy in, in the business. So I always say, if you give me a problem, I'm going to give you six solutions. <laughs> it's up to you to pick which one you want to choose. <laughs> Well, I'll probably tell you which one it's going to be. <laughs> and I suppose that does maintain the passion while you're still able to fulfill that role. Then that's yeah, what yeah. keeps the energy levels high. Yeah, um, and that's and that's what I should always keep doing. Yeah. Because if you're doing something you like, you'll be good at it. Yeah. Simple as that. If you're doing something you don't like, you won't be very good at it. So you shouldn't be doing it. Somebody else should be doing it. Yeah, it's great philosophy. And I just wonder for our listeners, just put void in. You know, so what's the typical system? What, where are some of the places that our listeners will know that have a void system within them? You know, what's your typical system look like? Um, it doesn't. I think it, it, it isn't typical. It's horses for courses. We make great strides into the bigger clubs, so the, the big sort of 10,000 capacity places, 5,000 capacity places. Some people have called us boutique, really say that's what we are, but we are many, many different things, different people. Ultimately, we're there to make your listening experience the best it can possibly be. And that's why I have this emphasis on visuality, because we do this because that's what we like as people. We want to see it and we want to hear it. We want to be inspired. We, we, we make things that we like the look of. Mm. And we like the sound of. So we are the public that we sell to, fundamentally. And it's quite lucky that, that uh, what we like is what, what, what the general public like. So we've done a lot of work in Ibiza, um, lots of clubs throughout Europe. Um, more recently, a lot of work in the US and China. There's a lot of big venues that have been opening up over the last couple of years. So we, we're quite widespread. Um, our emphasis has been in the dancing. Over the last five or six years, we got involved in a lot of um, festivals, okay. which had a make massive uh, resurgence over the last few years. So took the, the products that we were known for in the club sector and the dance music and then put that into an outside venue. We've been very successful that. And we've developed our products to, to feed that market as well. So... Where would we be seeing numerous clubs and venues around the world, boats, uh, shopping centres, uh, amusement parks? So 
we are we are known for the famous work. So places like Eden and DC10 and um, the famous clubs in uh, Ibiza. But we do a lot of other work that we're not so known for. We don't always shout about. Yeah. So whether it's um, whether it's a shopping centre or a football stadium. So it, it's very our market appeal is very broad, but our passion is dancing. Yeah. Are your competitors very similar in size to you? Or are they typically larger? I mean, what what does the kind of industry you work in, Alex, look like? It's varied. You've got some big companies, you've got some small companies, and it, it, it does really vary. Obviously, the bigger, they, bigger the companies get, they tend to be more widespread and tend to buy in tend to be in with a collection of other brands there are some companies that are purely in a narrow market sector that are very big and there are smaller companies in a broad market sector that, that, that are medium size so we're sitting in a very market space in terms of competitors and they are varied and yeah some are well known and some aren't so um would i say we're, we're one of the biggest no <laughs> We're another medium-sized business that's that's similar to a lot of others in in the in the world, but we tend to have quite a broad market at the same time. Okay. That's always been our our philosophies: diversification. And if people want it, we're happy to supply and adapt to to requirements. So. Okay, and that comes back to that passion being for dance music, which is where the business started from, being known in that sector, but mm. actually having a portfolio of products that is very yeah. diverse, yeah. that can be used in a variety of different settings. So does that give itself some product development and sort of R&D challenges? Are you always having to reinvent your product and just keep up with competitors, or is it quite a stable technology kind of platform in your industry? Well, one of the challenges we've had was recently was the, the first 10 years, we made very visual product, and that's what we became known for. And then as we moved into the uh, festival market, things need to be more portable and more usable. Yeah. So I said, how, how does that USP translate into that market sector? And it's like, it's quite a different market, and how do we make that up, our, our brand still putting in that sector? So really, we're, we're trading on the back of that visual, visual aspect, but... A lot of the time, you can't make it highly visual because you need to make the artist more prominent in that instance. Yeah. So that was probably one of the bigger challenges: is how do you keep that functionality and practicality, and have that that appeal of the brand that was before that was very bright and outrageous, but now it isn't. Right. Yeah. So I suppose that's just that, and that's the challenge in entering new markets. And I suppose is that what's been your most satisfying moment in business, Alex? If you look back on them, I mean, there must be many, but, you know, if there was one thing that you could say that was my most satisfying moment in business, what would it be? Oof. It's like saying, who's your favourite child, isn't it? <laughs> we know, which, none of us, none of us have a favourite child. Your, <laughs> yeah, what's your, what's your favourite product? I think I'll pick a few things because they are, they are relevant for different reasons. There's nothing like going to an event and seeing people having a good time and being part of that, that all from the audience side and the equipment that's being used is actually giving that, um, fundamentally that, that experience to those people. There's nothing quite like that. 
Yeah, I can just imagine if you stood there in a big venue or in a, a festival and the music's pumping and the sound quality's great and you're in the audience enjoying the performance and it's your equipment. That must be an amazing feeling, Alex. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, we did an event in Berlin two years ago for Dead Mouse, and I, was, I like, like a lot of his music anyway. But actually go and see him perform it on a system in a fantastic venue that's purpose-built, that's soundproofed, with a, almost perfect room acoustics, with, with 3,000 uh, people in a place where, where electronic music developed was wow you know, <laughs> you had to touch yourself there and yeah. like it doesn't doesn't get much better than this no and i think recently uh the festivals like boomtown and winchester that was fantastic just not only see your equipment being used but it being used at lots of different areas and in different ways by different people and a lot of our guys went to that festival would wear um void branded equipment uh void branded uh, where and the people the general public would come up to you and talk to you and want to meet you it was quite amazing to, to actually see this is the general populace this is the general public coming up and knowing about a, a, a sound brand was quite amazing like oh you guys and they're like wow you know who do you how do you know our brand yeah. do you have a venue because <laughs> <laughs> no i just love what you do wow that's that's quite amazing that that's lovely to hear from people and i think the third thing would really be when you get that real understanding of um problems within the business and you actually overcome them so significantly that they they don't become a problem anymore and that that could be anything from any process in the business but gaining that knowledge and understanding a solution for something and maybe you may come up with a solution or you may you may get an understanding or training or, or knowledge for that solution but actually seeing that resolved and like wow then i know that process and i know how it's another that 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 realization that solution has now been found and it's successful so it's like a small bit of success within within the business that 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 for me is the, is, the, is the rewarding thing and seeing the people involved in that process being really satisfied with that as well. But that takes some resilience at times, doesn't it? Because you see issues, you see challenges, and you know the joy is overcoming them and finding the solutions. But at times, that, that resilience, you know, that not always is that solution apparent or easy or quick. And, they, and therefore, you've got to show resilience. And how do you maintain your resilience? How do you maintain that positive outlook to find the right, solution alex <laughs> the thing is that when you're starting a business very early on it's it's full of extremes yeah. of highs and lows and you go through that process of those highs and lows and that really sets you up for the resilience for the future because it never really gets as bad as that because you have a much more understanding that that if there is a problem you'll find a solution yeah. When you're first starting out, because we've got a massive problem, I don't know what the solution is. I'm, I'm crying, crying in bed at night and I'm having a nervous breakdown. And then you find a solution. It's like, great, fantastic. And we, we have this massive success. You have these massive extremes of pain and pleasure. And that really sets your resilience up uh, 
and you learn also how to cope in those scenarios as well. So it's like a training ground, really. Yeah. Right. If you want to know how to run a business, run a business. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. I love that analogy there of pain and pleasure in the early years because it is, isn't it? You go for, and it becomes quite frantic, but the lows are quite low and they can get quite dark, but the, the highs are highs and, you know, s- small wins become major things, you know, and successes. And, and I've never reflected on it, Alex, but you're right. I think that does build this understanding that and a self-belief that you can then overcome challenges later on in your journey as yeah. they present yeah. themselves if you've gone through all that you can do anything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like like you know, it's some it's something if there's a problem in the road it goes we'll find a solution yeah you know or if you if we don't find a solution we'll find somebody who can come up with a solution yeah. it's as simple as that one of the things i'm interested to explore with you um alex is you've obviously also gone out offshore and you know set up manufacturing in China, you've thought about bringing that some of that offsite manufacture back to the UK. I know. I mean, if somebody was up there as a product business now, looking to say, look, do we control our manufacture in house, or do we outsource, or do we go overseas, China, Poland, or wherever it may be? Any words of advice, Alex? It really depends on what what your requirement is in terms of what do I need in terms of to run my business. What's important for us is the ability to adapt and change and deliver. Um, and having manufacturing overseas does make it become more of a problem. I think it was, it was a solution, solution when, we, when we were at the early stage of business. Whether it's, it's still relevant now, well, it's been less, re- less and less relevant. That's why we've, yeah. we've manufactured more and more in the, in the UK. But again, it's how do you solve those problems? Within your business, and some of them are quite high level. And if you've got a problem that's in front of you physically, and there are people there that you can deal with face to face, you can resolve it more effectively and more quickly, and gain advice and help and support locally as well. So, if someone's going to manufacture overseas, would I recommend it? It is a is a is a a bit of an ambiguous question. It depends on what and how and who. And where yeah. I think from as we move forward in terms of things like climate control and the, the way we we use the planet, I think as you get a bit older and your kids are growing up, you think about your future and transporting goods around the world is not a good use of fossil fuels. Um, yeah. Manufacturing is not a good use of fossil fuels. So if you can do more in one area and utilise what you do more effectively and more efficiently, not only would it save money, but you actually you, you would be using the world resources in a much more wise and, and better, better way. Yeah. So, and that really goes on to the next thing of commerciality versus the environment fundamentally, which is obviously a big issue still yeah. and is increasing. Yeah, well, it's one that we all have to take seriously and do take seriously i'm sure and but bring into our business decisions but i do like that piece there really around you know going offshore in terms of manufacturing it's this kind of quandary isn't it versus low cost versus flexibility and control yeah there, 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 there's some things that make sense some things don't make sense and as a business only weighs up the pros and cons you make yeah. a decision no definitely so in terms of those environmental issues are you now as a business, 
is that an area of focus or has it always been an area of focus or you know you talk about as your children grow up you become more aware the media makes us more aware are you seeing a direct trade-off now between being more environmentally friendly and the returns that you can make i think the commerciality aspect has always been a challenge especially if you're starting up your business it's the last thing on your mind fundamentally unless unless your business is if you if you're in that frame of to start but it definitely wasn't something we were thinking about 20 years ago was the environmental impact of what we do but obviously as we go older and wiser it it has an it does have an impact so we're constantly looking at ways of of what we do and how we do it and looking at those processes and it, it is stacked up against you there is funding that is is available and as with most of governmental funding it's not until you look for it you find it so uh, even it's a simple thing at the moment where we're refurbishing our factory and putting led lighting in so you think oh that's a big cost well it isn't because you're saving the money because it's costing less electric there are governmental grants that support it so your environmental decision becomes actually a commercial decision yeah uh, you just got to go and find the commercial solution for for the environmental justification definitely i mean and government should make it easier shouldn't they to find because there are some great grants <laughs> out there but it's like they're the biggest unknown secret and you've got to delve or engage with the specialist or you know to find the right solution to get access to some of this money that is there is really difficult at times isn't it alex yeah so using basically using waste as a manufacturing product is a big thing for us at the moment that's what we're looking looking at and actually how we use our waste is, is, is a big big hot topic and we've looked we've been looking at lots of solutions for that but it almost makes sense that our waste becomes a, um, a manufacturing product okay and becomes that cycle and that's what you know that that would be a a dream solution but uh, we'll it's a quite a way off um because we're making molded things so it's an injection molding processes plastics um but if we could make say our wood byproducts and mold our wood byproducts into molded products that that would be a, a great thing to achieve and be a, be a first I probably shouldn't say anything because now I've given the, given the secrets <laughs> away to the competition. Yeah, yeah but that would be incredible, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be yes. something to be really proud of. You've talked about children, family. You know, how has running your own business, being entrepreneurial, affected your personal life, family life? I think it was very challenging in the early days because I was spending so much time and energy trying to establish the business. And I think later on, we, the business became almost part of our, our life as well. So we'd go to festivals, we'd socialise, and the business and our, my social life started to get a bit mixed together, which was nice. Yeah. Basically, take, getting the benefit. I mean, the, the Dead Mouse Gizm, for example, was actually you know, a social experience, which we really enjoyed. So I think there are some... There are some big, big wins in terms of giving back and also being, being a bit more strict about your time. Yeah. And you get to a point where really I need to reserve this time for, for, for what, what am I doing it for? If I can't enjoy uh, my time away from work, then 
you're just running a business for the sake of running a business. So it's come, it's come back to a nice balance now in terms of the, I mean, the current climate, there isn't much going <laughs> There's on. There's not much you can do out there at the moment. <laughs> what are you doing about? But there, there is, it's nice to see the passion for our brand just locally. Mm. You know, that's something in the last three or four years that, that I've really enjoyed personally, the, the recognition of, of, a, of success. People, people often are two things. They were drawn to success or they tried to take it down. Mm. That, that's the one thing, sadly, I've discovered. Yeah. Um, most people are drawn to it and admire it. And celebrate and it and embrace people, it, isn't and it? And celebrate yeah. it. But you, you look at, you look, as, people get, as businesses get bigger, they, they come under attack um, and that's when your value set comes into question. And, you know, have you made, has your business made a right decision from an outside point of view? You know, it's, you take someone like, like Virgin, is clearly their intent was to really push the old guard out of British industry, yeah. whether, whether it be, um, whether it be the airlines or transport. The, 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 the idea was there, but the brand has come under a lot of attack mm. because it's a bigger, it's a bigger, commercial entity so i think that that brand was trying to do make a difference yeah um but in, but you still get get a lot of blame and the same with the government you know they're all trying to do your best but <laughs> you've got a political decision because you're a politician yeah. and you've got you know you've got a decision what's best for people yeah and that's the conflict and the, the, the dilemma that, that the government always has yeah really difficult isn't it what's the um Best piece of advice that you've ever received, Alex? Is there one piece of advice that you reflect on that you think? Yes. <laughs> oh, this is a certain answer here. <laughs> it just really goes back to what I said earlier. I was in a situation, I was in quite a diaphanic situation very early on. And there have been several times where we just thought, we'll pack up and give up. And I was running through, I was talking through this problem with, uh, a financial guy and I ran through all the scenarios of how to find a solution he just casually said look you'll find a solution don't worry about it <laughs> I was like what kind of answer is that <laughs> and sure enough you did it, you, you, you will you will succeed if you want to succeed and that means that it's determination and passion that keeps you going and the other thing thing was is that you can run a business on passion for a limited amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you don't have that determination and passion, you won't succeed. Because when you, you just go, do you know what? I can't be bothered anymore. You know, if you've got that attitude, you will, you, you'll find a reason for the business to fail. A lot of people, you know, why did your business fail? And they said, well, this happened. Well, the reason the business failed was because you didn't really want to yeah. fix it. That's the problem. You, th at that point, you just, you know what, I can't be bothered anymore. So what you do, you tend to blame circumstances that, that you claim are outside of your control. Yeah. But if you're doing it properly and you're like, I'm going <laughs> to be guilty of my own words now. But, you know, we, we are in a situation where we're selling to market that's massively depressed at yeah. the moment. And um, we may find the business goes out of business 
because the market never recovers. I just don't know. And I could say, well, the reason our business failed because nobody bought speakers anymore. There is a solution there. There is, we could diversify the business and go to a different market sector. We could do that. And that's a case of changing the business of a different path. You may need to refund and restructure, but there is always a solution to a problem. Yeah. It's focus, passion and belief, which I talk about quite a lot. But, and I think what's quite interesting is particularly with the passion element, that does only get you so far though, doesn't it? You've always got to have that passion. (laughs) But at some point, you've got to let go, let others step in. Let others do, as it comes back to that very early part of the conversation, let others do the things that you're not so good at, but you can't ever lose the passion. When you lose the passion, the wheels are coming off the bus. I completely agree. And I I suppose, you know, let's start to sort of end the conversation around current challenges then, because clearly you've got a number of challenges in terms of hospitality leisure sector being uh, depressed at the moment because of COVID. You must have some issues with regard to supply chain, I assume, with regard to brexit and everything that's going on around the world you know how do you see void in the next 18 months to two years um well the the last uh sort of year and i i i've talked to you about this in the past i've kind of enjoyed it mm. because i like the the, the new challenges that being that being presented i like the okay i need i like to go in there's a problem, let's go in and fix it, sort it, resolve it, move on. So that's, it's been exciting for me. It's also allowed me to do change in the business that I wouldn't, or wasn't that really able to do earlier. So in terms of enjoyment of, of that change, that's been good. What does the next 12 months look like? <laughs> well, as work through each problem as it, it presents itself, but I am really more now than ever, ever really enthused about the direction of the business. And that always keeps carrying on. My enthusiasm is always, always being motivated by the, the, the recent and past success. And that, that pushes, pushes me on. And if it ever stops, then that, that'll, I'll be leaving the business. Yeah, so. Time to go do something else. So the, there have been market challenges. They aren't. They are. They're okay. We've we we are surviving as a business, and we are persevering and developing as a business in terms of whether it's outputs or internal development of the business or rationalisation or process improvement. The outlook for the next twelve months that we've laid out and put in into plan looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, because we we can see some light at the end of the tunnel, we've identified the market trends, and we've adapted to, to fit into those solutions. So, where the the old analogy of your your horses are in the in the stalls, and we're 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 already galloping down down the race course, so we're we're going to be first people over the hedge. <laughs> so we. We're really fighting fit as a business and in a really good place, probably even more than we would be if we hadn't have had this pandemic yeah. because it, t- it teaches you to really look back, look, look at yourself and like, do you know what? Let's fix this or let, let's find a better way of doing that or let's develop something new and be inventive because you have to be. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like the entrepreneur's dream in a way because 
an entrepreneur looks for opportunity. And that's what there are. There are opportunities <coughs> that you have to go and look for, yeah. that is, which is exactly what we've done. So um, I'm looking forward to, to the future. Good, good, good. Get lean and reset. I think there have been some mantras and words that I've used a lot in 2020 now going into 2021. But you're right. It's that opportunity, isn't it? And I, I get excited about the fact that our, you know, we are thinking about that, both with an Inspire and with an Involve and you know, are our competitors doing the same thing or are they standing still? Because if they're standing still or just trying to fight fires and we're getting lean and we're resetting, then that presents a whole world of opportunity going forward. Yeah, and I, and I think talking and taking advice and developing and uh, an understanding of problems is a constant mantra and a constant requirement. Yeah. I think reason that some businesses fail because the the this per, people who start their business don't develop, yeah, and they don't realise that they have to develop. Yeah, that's often why businesses fail because what your job was when you first started um, doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that's still your job, although you might still like doing it. Yeah, <laughs> somebody told me a story the other day where um, about Sunseeker and the owners would still like to drive around on the pool tractors for the boats, um, even up to the, uh, even up to the, um, the later days, because that's what they like doing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's good to do the things you like, but that's not actually your job anymore. Yeah, you've got to develop with it all. You know, let that be your job and let go of the reins and let somebody else exactly, make yeah. the decisions. Yeah. But, I mean, so understand yourself and you'll understand your business. Definitely, definitely. And you talk about personal development, and I know you know you are part of one of the Evolved peer groups. So, you know, what benefits do you get from being part of a sort of group of like-minded individuals, Alex? Oh, I wouldn't say like-minded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, out of our group, we are of A type, but there, there's a real mixture of different um, people as well. So having a, a peer peer with a different point of view or a different type of insight is very valuable because when you're running a business from it, from the inside, looking out the window, you really need somebody else to, to look into the window and say, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing that? <laughs> or, or you know, even if it's seven people. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's challenging your thinking. It's it's coming up with, with things you haven't thought about or opening doors of opportunity, whether it be through learning or or, or a business opportunity. So that it's multifaceted, but fundamentally it's having somebody else's point of view is, is really valuable. And obviously sharing ideas and problems. Yeah. As they say, a, a problem shared. I can't remember the same, but... When, when you're running a business and you've got no one else to, uh, uh, in your support, you, know, you don't really have a support bubble, that's quite challenging. And that's one of the biggest challenges I've found over the years is who do I go for for, for advice? Yeah. And you got, maybe you've got a lawyer and maybe you've got an accountant, that's kind of it. And maybe your mother yeah. or <laughs> your partner. But if I had the support and knowledge that I had when I first started a business, it would have been quite a different business in terms of success, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but 
that's part of the journey. Definitely. That part of discovery and finding what's important and finding the right people to be around you and, and to offer that different perspective. So final question, Alex, how would you define success? Uh, <laughs> these are challenging questions. How would I define success? I think success would really be down to the individual, wouldn't it? It's For, for me, what would success mean? I think within the first 10 years, we'd really achieved all we could imagine we could achieve in terms of the business. We, you know, we never really thought that would, would be where we are today. A couple of chances with half an idea and a little bit of cash develop into an, an international yeah. business in a field that we, that we both loved and had a passion for. It's quite amazing. And we did that in the first 10 years. So really, that was success goal ticked for us. What would... Everything else then becomes a bonus. Okay. So this is all... It's now giving back in terms of, well, we didn't think we'd get this. And now we got more. And now we got more. In terms of what would success mean to us, well, we would, that would mean we are financially stable and we can self-support. That's what success means. And you have a future. <laughs> it, that's probably it. <laughs> Brilliant. Alex, you've been a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Warren. I really enjoyed Adam's lightheartedness and humility and thought what he said about watching a crowd of people dancing and having a good time as a result of a product you've made was a really unique and magical insight into his line of business. I also thought what he said about turning challenges into opportunities and problems to enjoy solving is some very sound advice for any business owner, especially during these challenging and unprecedented times. If you want further access to further insightful content, events, inspiration, and find out more about the services offered by Evolve in the coaching and peer group arena, then please do go to evolvemembers.com and register for free to be part of the Evolve community. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if so, please do rate, review, and subscribe to future episodes. I look forward to you joining me again next week. Thank you.